Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, well, fuck it. Let's get into it. I have many friends who are strippers. I myself have have never really officially like worked in a in a strip club, uh-huh. but I've done a lot of stri- stripping adjacent work. I myself have have never really done any burlesque, although I uh, completely am like, how's that possible? Why not? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. But I don't know how it's it, it's 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 right up my alley. I don't know. I can like only do so much maybe i'll put it on my like midlife crisis list Uh, ideal it's either that or roller derby right (laughs) yeah right or djing um (laughs) uh, i too was cast as like the mom with the one brassy number in every uh, high school musical and um yeah was also told that i was not ingenue material and therefore would have to wait until i age into my like kathy bates roles that's right like um which please it's about time for you to start doing your like misery burlesque right can't fucking wait yeah give me i actually have performed an act with a sledgehammer i believe you i completely believe you i was gallagher (laughs) you could do like a mashup so to speak of um gallagher and uh and misery oh that that look on your face is making my day I mean, see, this is why I should be doing this. Yeah, that's yours. You do it, please. Oh, go for it. Somebody, give me, give me my big break. But when, where, the time? Where would I find the time? I also am not good at costumes, so I would need like, huh. I would need a fucking house mom, like real fucking bad, or like a like a submissive who wants to like yeah. design all of my, all of my costumes. Like the the con the, the music, no problem. Mm-hmm. Concepts, no problem. Taking off my clothes and uh, on stage and commanding a room, give me a fucking break. But like, yeah, the costumes would be, I, I would like to wear them, but just like the whole like going to the dollar store thing and like designing them, uh, I just, it's, it's hard for me. It's like the worst part. Or for me, it is. It's for, I mean, it's for, it seems part. like for some people, it's like, that's what it's all about. Right. And like. I I wish I knew what that was like. (laughs) I hate it. If I could just perform like this or just like in my sweatpants, I would. Awesome. But you, I can't, I can't tell the same stories with, to the level of precision that I want to without that. Totally. Um, Yeah. So like the, the way, the fussiness is the point, unfortunately. And that's really annoying. It's a visual medium and, and, and a medium that like runs on novelty as well. Right. But so the reason that I bring all this up is to say that, uh, you know, so uh, of course I have friends who are strippers. Of course, I have lots of friends who do burlesque. And of course, I have been involved in this is burlesque stripping discourse, is burlesque sex work discourse. And I am just so curious to see where you fall Mm. on that hits bong once debate. (laughs) I don't think that burlesque for me falls under the umbrella of sex work and I say that as somebody who has done sex work yeah things that I would you know I've sucked dick for cash like that feels like I earned my gold star like you know yeah I don't find burlesque to be that I think the means of production are really different I'm paid by the producer I'm I'm not 
like I make tips from the audience, mm-hmm. but I'm beholden to the producer and to the to the venue. And th- I know that that's like that's a little different than than how a strip club would operate. I face less discrimination, like some stigma, but like cute lowercase s stigma that yeah i totally i you know do you know the term hierarchy yes yeah so you're like very hot burlesque to me is in a like a similar place at the top of the hierarchy in terms of how much stigma sticks to you or like how yeah lowercase or uppercase stigma is for you like somewhere around like erotica writers yes right right. or like people who are like medical professionals or therapists or 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 or, uh, sociologists who like the themes of their work are sexuality and so you experience some like tittering or you experience maybe some discrimination like you 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 can't get your paper published or you know you feel a little embarrassed telling your in-laws the nature of your work but like in terms of how much institutionalized stigma and violence you experience including emotional violence and things like exclusion and discrimination and also like excommunication you have more social mobility than people who suck dick for cash full-time or are or are exposed non-consensually to people that they don't want to be exposed to as someone who has or does suck dick for cash absolutely yeah and I think people also, when they're having this conversation, separate those as if there couldn't be people who do both. (laughs) Right. And there's so much overlap. Like there's so many people who are burlesque performers sometimes who like work, you know, three shifts at the club a week. Totally. Um, And so the idea of like, well, I would never go see, uh, you know, strippers perform at a a strip club, but I would go to see burlesque. It's like you might see the same people and some of the same elements. Like it's going to be a lot less fussy at at a strip club. Probably, yeah. And and, and I I think it was Joe Weldon who said like, you know, strippers wear like a $15 outfit and make $500 and burlesque performers wear a $500 outfit and make 15 bucks. It's very interesting. So I think I think the money is part of it. Like I think because strippers are making more money that there's more shame associated with what they do. It's true. And it's also interesting. I think it also has to do with the fact that by and large, strippers are doing it as a job. Like they make more money because it's their job and they need the money in the same way that we all, most of us, need money for food and shelter and things we want. The idea of somebody taking off their clothes because they need the money right. is where the like issues of shame and respectability and, and which is also very classed. Again, yes, right? classed. It's so, raced. Yeah, oh, for sure, for yeah. sure, and gender too, right? Yes. Like, even the thing that you were talking about about like men wanting to be involved in burlesque and it's like you got to take your clothes off. Like the idea that like a man would need to take his clothes off and shake his ass in order to make a living is just a really different power dynamic than a woman who needs to take off her clothes to make a living. Absolutely. It's been so interesting to see like what Magic Mike did for people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you for bringing up Magic Mike. I think about Magic Mike all the time. (laughs) Do you, would you, do you think that what they're doing is more like burlesque than stripping in those movies? I think it's, it's its own other thing. Yeah. It does have themes, the costumes and even like the backstage scene that you were describing of like the the sewing machine and the gold of May and you know, all all of that kind of stuff. Like I think that there is this like Chippendales idea 
And it's very much you, you see in, in both the Magic Mike movies. When men strip, they have to have like a story. Right. <laughs> Which is like the same stereotype of like, first of all, the idea of men stripping Chippendales anyway is definitely like for women's entertainment. Right. Obviously, men go go dance in gay bars and that's like a whole it's like a whole different dynamic but again going back to magic mike like it's definitely like you gotta be a fireman you gotta be a cowboy you can't just like come on stage and in like a neon lycra bodysuit and pleaser pumps i don't know i would like i would I mean i would, yeah, I would go to that yeah. <laughs> right but there's the idea that like well women want story and so like right exactly you know like yes like Magic Mike, it's like archetypes and stories of different kinds of men. Everybody, everybody wants stories, man. Stories are fantastic. And I'm um, also like, have you been to a strip club? Like, there are stories being told. They a might, lot of stories. Like, you may not have the media literacy to read what the story is, but there is a story being told and things being communicated about about gender and desire and, and aesthetics and too aesthetics. like like you go to a strip club and it's like okay she's the bimbo and she's the sort of brooding girl that's going to dance to amy winehouse and like she you know the, yeah then those are stories yes and because we i think i think the way that we just sort of like erase how much work goes into f- like femme identity oh yeah they, those aren't read as stories because they're just expected to well that's innate and that's like who this person is or whatever like i I deserve to consume this because it just is. Totally. Which is absurd. And also, like, I went to Mary's Club in Portland. Have, yeah. you, have you been there before? I, I don't know if I've been to that one, but I have been to some, like, alt-girl strip clubs in Portland, Oregon. Yes. I love it there. It makes me so happy. And they're they're really they're, great. There's, you know, strippers with, like, novelty costumes, and there's a stripper who has, like, uh, who's on a tiny stage that's about the size of my coffee table in roller skates oh and God. is, like, doing pole stuff and skating around the pole. Incredible. And it's just, like, the artistry that I've seen at strip clubs absolutely negates the idea that it's, like, stories get told in burlesque and stories do not get told. I mean, but and also the emotional labor. I mean, this is getting a little bit. It, there is also a, an interesting difference between strip clubs and burlesque, which is like when you're a burlesque dancer, you do an act, and you might, depending on the club, depending on the the scene, you might do the thing where you walk off stage and like the the like Jessica Rabbit Hedwig thing, where you like sit in people's laps or like do little novelty things with them. But like I'm here for this song, and also there's like a story arc through the song. But also feature dancers in strip clubs do that. But there's right. much more also like when I'm not dancing to my song and there's not a spotlight on me I'm like walking around the club like doing emotional labor interacting with people flirting with them asking if they want to dance asking if they want to go to the champagne room and in general correct me if I'm wrong there's less of that kind of dynamic when you go to a burlesque night or even or even a drag night right yeah I'm not selling dances right Um, yeah certainly do you think that there should be more clubs like that where there's like high concept burlesque i mean you kind of just described it in portland sort of there's acts and then also people selling more like customized erotic entertainment i think that's really cool and i i've seen people who are like who are both people who are strippers and burlesque performers start to produce those kinds of shows or like the idea of a pop-up strip club yeah and what that kind of production looks like when it's when it's produced by the people who are 
making that entertainment and who are being viewed. And I think that's really cool. I don't think it would be in my wheelhouse because I wouldn't want to like, I don't think that's my place. And, and I think the work that I make ends up being consumed most effectively in like pretty mediated theater spaces. But I'm glad that those things exist. And I think we should complicate those relationships, mm. not in the way of I'm a stripper too, you know, and this sort of way of like trying to consume the aesthetics of stripperdom without actually like doing anything to help sex working communities or strippers and like not doing it for the cool factor but doing it in the sense of wanting to critique the horophobia that exists well because of the horarchy thing that we were talking about where you can kind of identify like am i like higher up on this stigma or like social mobility food chain that you see two kinds of problematic things i mean i'm sure you see more but like two things that are coming to my mind that you see among theater people of all kinds or really like artists of all kinds whether they're burlesque performers or in any other medium who engage sexually in their work sometimes they're like well i'm i am actually a sex worker and i even see it in like people who like produce sex parties right or yeah. you know like or like at burning man they like run like the orgy camp at burning man and they're like well i'm a sex worker because i do work and it has to do with sex right so that's fucked up Ugh. exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then you see the like no 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 i'm not some kind of whore what i'm doing is ah. Uh, Right. right. And both of those things are fucked up. Both the distancing and the appropriation is fucked up. And you can see what our fucked up attitudes about sex work and, of course, all of the intersecting things that we're talking about, like class and race and gender, mm -hmm. and even our fucked up ideas about art and money. Yes. Through those two kinds, those two different forms of derision. Yes. Right. Because, like, I don't know, all whores are artists and all artists are whores. And like, here we are. <laughs> totally, but some. And also. But but some whores and some artists experience more, like, you know, have more power and have more privilege or experience more oppression yes. than others. Yes. And I feel like it's it's been very cool to adopt the aesthetics of the folks who are most vulnerable. Like the, the idea of like everybody wants to take a pole class and nobody wants to go support strippers who work on poles exactly j-lo bless her but j-lo is doing pole tricks at the super bowl right but then like what is j-lo doing for us that's right yeah and i heard anecdotally that j-lo went to a strip club as part of part of her research for the role and spent like a few hundred bucks and i was like absolutely not like yes, that's what yes, i like, spend if i go <laughs> like yeah yeah no that's the minimum of what you should be spending yeah every everybody working there should have gotten at least like 1500 like i'm sorry a rod should have been throwing money at the stage please well and it's that's that's really sad too because have you seen hustlers i have yeah uh what did you okay spoiler for the movie hustlers there is a scene that i thought was quite beautiful of Usher and oh. the movie takes place in like 2007 so it's like 2018 2019 Usher playing 2007 Usher showing up at the strip club and he is demonstrating what Usher should be doing at the strip club which is fucking just like th throwing hundos yes at the stage and smiling and like yeah. engaging and having such a like a, like having a wonderful time I, that scene actually made me tear up. <laughs> I for I'm crying. I'm getting choked up now. Yeah. No. I. It, it is. It, it's really beautiful. So really. Yeah. J Lo should have done the same thing. Yes. I mean, and there's still time. 
there's still time. You have some hundos to spend, JLo. I know you do. And got more because of Hustlers. So exactly. You know, redistribute that wealth. I'm saying, yeah. I think we got to the bottom of that. I think we did. So one thing that I've noticed in the times that I've seen you perform is that, and and also just like from what I've seen of the scenes that you're involved in, is that it seem it seems like there's like classic or like classical burlesque that is like the fan dancing and mm-hmm. the corsets and the the gloves right mm-hmm. and then all the way over on the other end of the spectrum is what i might associate with like coney island kind of variety show stuff that is like very engaged in the abject yes. and and maybe even also engaged in like at the met that there are folks who are doing more like circus performance type stuff and that might even and even you're playing the bearded lady. So like kind of like quote unquote freak show stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's like, I'm sure everything on the spectrum in between. So it seems like you lean more towards like being gross and funny while also being sexy. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> How can things be gross and funny and sexy? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh, come see me perform. I think I like to take the sort of language of burlesque and like because there's there's a certain like grammatical structure to a burlesque act like we understand that like you know most of the time you know the gloves come off first Mm -hmm. and the dress comes off usually before the bra and all of that kind of stuff like we know what things are building to and and I had a playwriting teacher once who said like you know for every scene that you write you know plant a bomb and Mm -hmm. then choose a moment to detonate it. Mm -hmm. So I like to create acts where there is a moment of like subversion or there's something unsettling that happens or there's something that goes against expectations. Cool. And to do that in a way where I don't lose people, which is like where the humor comes in, that it's like if people are laughing, then they're feeling something and then they're with me. And so then I can kind of get away with the other stuff that happens. Cool. And and hopefully like they receive receive the message in that in that transmission. The act that I won Miss Coney Island. Yes, with, tell us about it. It started with I'm wearing like a gold sequin dress. I have a big feather headdress. I have a, a big boa and I start reading a poem. And so all of this is very classic. Very classic, right? Right, like sort of classic showgirl, high glam, high status also. Mm, Right. I'm reading a poem that uses, it was for the talent portion of the night. So I was like, I'm going to start the talent portion in the style of a middle school debate. Webster's Dictionary has four definitions for the word freak. And my poem is sort of going through those different definitions and what that has like borne out in my own life. Mm. And... Then I say like, okay, because defining freak for you for me is kind of scary, I will leave you in the hands instead of one Miss Katy Perry. And then I, you know, throw my notebook and the music starts. And it's it starts off sounding like just a version of um, Firework. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But a, the, a song ostensibly about how it's okay to be weird and different. Right. From Katy Perry. Right. Um, but this is a version that I found on Tumblr and it's just the first line over and over again. Yes, I love that. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag, like a plastic bag, like a plastic bag? Do you ever feel like a plastic bag, like a plastic bag? And so, so it's just, and then the chorus, because baby, you're a plastic bag, plastic bag, plastic bag. So I take off my feather headdress and I take off my gown and I have plastic bag versions of everything that I put on and um on my ass is like the the like thank you come again come again right which is and I have mismatched size smiley faces from plastic bags as my pasties 
Did you make this out of plastic bags? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, so weirdly enough at a show, I kept my acts a secret because I really didn't want any of this to, to get out to my competitors. <laughs> then randomly at a, at a show at Coney Island, some weird man that I'd never seen before came up to me and just handed me a giant garbage bag full of fancy feast cat food bags. Oh. And he didn't know that I was making an act with plastic bags. He oh just god. handed it to me. So that is what I created my skirt and my headdress from. Oh my god, it's like a gift of trash. It is. It was so beautiful. That is really beautiful. Which I wanted to return in kind, right? Yeah. Like you give me your gift of trash, I'll give you mine. So <laughs> this oh, so sweet. So so yeah, so it was all like it felt like a sort of celebration of like being being gross and yeah. being seen as garbage and and playing a high status and like achieving that status and then undermining myself and subverting that. And so then at the end, like I take off my underwear and I pull a plastic bag out of my pussy. Amazing. And I filled the inside of it with lube so that when I shake it out at the audience, it like sprays the first few rows like they get hit in the face. That is the most delightful biohazard (laughs) I have ever heard. What kind of lube? Sliquid silk. Oh, the, the stuff that looks like cum. That's right. The w- water-based with a little bit of silicone that that's is like right. sort of opaque and creamy. A little creamy. Yeah, yeah. I, I added a little water to it so nobody would worry that I had like, you know, a yeast <laughs> infection or something. <laughs> um, and then I like stick it over my head and I finish the act like, you know, showgirl pose with a pl- fully nude plastic bag on my head. Wow. And so that was... That was like the winning act for Miss Coney Island. And then... Mazel tov. Thank you. And then for my step down number, at the end of my year of my reign as Miss Coney Island, I wanted to bookend yeah. the year. And my friend Max Vernon has this amazing song called Lower East Side Angry Face. <laughs> so good. And it's all about like, you used to be the hot young thing. You used to go out to all of these bars and be the kind of toast of the town. And now, like, the bouncers don't know who you are and your pants don't fit because you just, like, stay inside eating goat cheese, you know. (laughs) And and the last line, it just devastated me. Once upon a time, I knew where my best angles were. Oh, my God. It's such a good song. So for for my step down, I wanted to make an act about being washed up. I love it. Because I still had, you know, I was like, I have many years of my career left, but this feels like an ending. And like, haha, I'm not sad about it ending, right? So I so I did an act in my crown and sash and greeting everybody and like doing my final little stage parade and then taking off my crown and putting it on the ground and taking off my sash and putting it on the ground and trying to take off my dress, but it doesn't it doesn't fit over my head, so I have to take off my wig. And so I'm just like this like bald, <laughs> you know, naked. Like the nudity ends up meaning more like my, you know, the vulnerability, vulnerability. right? Yeah. So as I'm, I, I fully strip down, you know, take off my underwear again, take out another plastic bag out of my pussy. This time it's an I Heart New York bag. Yes. I, I <laughs> open it up. I put the crown and the sash in and I, I take a stick and tie up a bindle stiff. Such a good story. It's, it's you're a very good storyteller. Hey, thanks. So yeah, the last line, you know, I knew where my best angles were. I start like trying to hitchhike off stage and no one will pick me up yeah that's how i stepped down <laughs> god that is so that is so fucking funny thank you also i'm thinking about how we just how stores now are not allowed to use plastic bags so that really makes it makes you more high status when you think about it more rare i had a lot of people reach out to me with concern 
Oh, that's so sweet, though. That act really lives in infamy. Yeah. You're the plastic bag girl. Bag lady. I'm so pleased. Like, let that be the legacy, you know? Yeah. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. My friends, it is happening. We are springing forward. And what better time to head out to the Pleasure Chest for one of their free events. When you're in the store, check out the new special edition Feel My Power Lay Wand Vibrator. Lay Wand just released this new design by Wednesday Holmes, a non-binary artist I personally love, in celebration of International Women's Day. The female-founded Lay Wand collaborated with Wednesday to support self-empowerment through pleasure for their second International Women's Day wand release. The outside of the vibrator features an artfully playful package, but underneath, it's still one of the strongest and sexiest rechargeable wands on the market. It comes with an enamel keychain, two iron-on patches, a postcard collection, a temporary tattoo set, a travel case, and a pleasure guide. It is so cute. Wednesday says, making art can be about taking back power that is frequently taken from us in the real world. Hell yeah, Wednesday. That's what we're all about here at Why Are People Into That? Laywand is also doing a special event at the Los Angeles Pleasure Chest. On March 22nd, you can empower yourself at the Pleasure Chest's first ever pleasure confessional. Step into the confessional booth and tell your story of empowerment in or outside the bedroom. Bring your friends, your partner, or your partners, or come by after brunch to share a few stories while enjoying snacks and drinks. Win prizes and enjoy exclusive discounts on the empowering Laywand line. Get sprung this spring with the Pleasure Chest. And now, on with the show. Uh, can you tell me about an act that like a friend or colleague of yours has done that just like knocked you on your ass? Yes. One of my dear friends, uh, Tiger Bay, does this amazing, amazing act to a song called Lesbian Seagull, which I'd never heard before. Uh, yes. Do you know Lesbian Seagull? Uh, I, okay. I think it is the teacher or guidance counselor from Beavis and Butthead. Is that right? I think so. Holy shit, come to me, lesbian seagull. Like yeah. That. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a Beavis and Butthead thing. Man, where, what What else could I do with this brain where all this Beavis and Butthead information is stored? But, you know. I feel that way every time I, like, remember some, right, obscure fact about, like, some, like, sauce from around the world. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how to do my taxes. And, like, all of my, I used to do calculus, gone. God. Everything gone. But if someone's, like... Ask me for like what Rock'em Sock'em robots look like. I could draw them like a diagram. You know, it's just. Well, sauce is, I think, the most important food group. So I I mean, I agree. But like, why did I? Why is this what I'm choosing to retain? You know? Yeah. Why well, did... maybe it's not a choice. <laughs> I think it's not a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Lesbian seagull. Yes. Yes. So she comes on stage looking like a fisherman wearing this sort of industrial yellow coveralls and sure. the hood and everything. And 
you know, has has a red, oh, a cooler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for chum or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after a long day of fishing, starts like stripping out of that and has sort of like wool stuff underneath for protection and gets pooped on by a bird. And I think that starts the transformation into into a bird. Okay. And so, yeah, as as she's stripping, she like you know, ducks into the cooler and suddenly comes out and has a beak on, um, ducks into the cooler again and has wings and then starts like adapting her choreography to this like bird body. Wow. And while staying very like presentational and super like at the audience, like cute showgirl and then like, rah, you know, like total, total bird transformation. And I just think it's so brilliant. Oh, and then the end of the act. Oh, fuck. Yeah. She runs off stage and comes back on and is trapped inside a giant plastic six pack <gasps> holder that she made for herself. That is so like, it also has an environmental message. That's right. Yeah, it's edutainment. Um, <laughs> and so and so she does the sort of like you know swan swan lake <laughs> swan death. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's it's so good. I like that act so much. She, if she hasn't already, should definitely see the film The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. It involves, there's some seagull stuff in there that she could perhaps, like, adapt. Wonderful. Yeah, that's my recommendation to Tiger Bay. Any others that come to mind? Any other just, or, like, something something that, like, had, like, a real, like, big emotional impact on you or, like, changed your life forever? There's an act that I can't see without crying. Mm. And I like, so for the shows that I produce, I really like people to cry at my titty show. <laughs> I want you to laugh. I want you to be turned on and I want you to cry. And all body responses. Yes. Right. And I think, I think we need that. We like art needs to humanize us and it needs to make us feel while we have, what did you call it? Your flesh husk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) While we have those. Yeah. While we have them, we should might as well (laughs) fucking use it. Yeah. Use all their functions. My burlesque mentor, like the person who taught me how to make pasties is Darlinda, just Darlinda. I owe her like a great debt of gratitude. She has an act that's sort of about the apocalypse mm. and and the idea of being in this kind of it's like her travel diary in in wasteland new york and like most Amazing. of everybody has already died off from the virus yeah and <laughs> i know <laughs> timely right yeah and and she's one of the few survivors and has started to feel symptoms and has decided that she wants to die on stage wow so she comes in through the audience like in in sort of plain clothes with her backpack and is looking around as if nobody's in the room and sets up her stuff and the the track starts off as a voiceover and then she strips out of her like just takes off her her day clothes puts on her her glamorous nightlife clothes and then strips back out of it wow and then i guess i like acts where people die at the end because that's what she she succumbs like she does she 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 makes her decision to die on stage and she does wow that is fucking beautiful it's amazing oh it's so good that's really cool. Wait, so you so you produce the fuck you review? Yes, right? Zo- you- Zoe Zigfield and I are co-producers. What do you? So you just you just kind of answered this question. You said that one of the things that you like to do as a producer is make people cry at the titty show. What what else do you, are you trying to create? Like as do you also you like MC the shows right? So yes. like as like a producer and MC, like what what is most important to you about creating a night? Mm. 
Zoe and I think pretty deeply about the curation of the show. Um, we do want to have themes and and sort of explore all different angles of the theme so that people feel like they really holistically mm. like f- felt felt a show. Mm-hmm. We're really interested in presenting work that other producers would pass on. Mm. Um, we hear a lot of times that there's the like, nobody wants to see that. Great. And that refers to different people's identities. That refers to performance that that isn't necessarily like... Three and palatable. a half. Palatable. Right. Three and a half minutes of palatable striptease. Yeah. We have very little of that. There's some of it, you know, we want people to be along for the ride. We want yeah. them to have a good show and be entertained. But like more more than anything, we want to create a space where like people can see something that is provocative, that is, you know, representative of, of marginalized voices, that is entertaining I think Darlinda talks about like the definition of the word entertain mm. and that, that that like tain, the <laughs> idea of that like in Latin is like to hold. Oh. And so it's like the idea of having the audience be held in this experience. So close to the word taint. Uh, so close. <laughs> yes. Holding that stretch of skin between the genitals <laughs> and the anal Just opening. Cupping it. <laughs> Tapping it a little bit. I try to, I, when I think about like the audience, I try to think about like what it was like to see burlesque for the first time, mm. what a life changing experience that was for me and how that really like that really directed the course of my entire life and feeling the desire and the responsibility of presenting something that could do the same for somebody else who's sitting in the audience so that's always like for me that's where the creation of a new show comes from that is so fucking beautiful can you recommend if people have not seen enough burlesque people all over, all over the world listen to the show so i'm sure that you can recommend shows in new york do you have tips for people like wherever they live to like find the good burlesque shows yeah i think there's actually a lot of stuff on youtube these days Mm. i i have so much respect for the performers who like found each other and found burlesque in the days like of just like friendster (laughs) craigslist like internet 1.0 so there's actually they're amazing amazing videos of stuff online cool yeah i think if it's not been taken down, there's a video of Julie Atlas Muse and Matt Frazier's American Trilogy, which is one of the craziest, most like political, most important, absolutely disgusting acts I've ever seen. Great. And and I recommend starting there. <laughs> oh, and yeah, other recommendations of, of things that or of just like people to look up whether people can see them live or check out their stuff online. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Julie and Matt. Dirty Martini, Pearl Noir, A Lot of Boutet, Ophelia Flame. There's so many people. Everybody in New York, come see everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I that's, those are all really good people. And then and then to not do what any of them are doing. That's the that's the other thing. Find whatever it is that, that you like about it and amplify that and make it your own rather than like aping things from the greats because it's it doesn't flatter you, you know? Yeah. yeah. To steal from the very best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if people like me want to get started in burlesque like what are your tips for Mm. that besides like not ripping other people off yes the burlesque handbook uh by joe eldon is is an incredible resource and i remember the first night before i tassel twirled for the first time like anxiously looking through it for tips Mm. uh it's been like a bedside companion it's it's a wonderful resource and it goes through like how to find how to pick your stage name how to create an act how to start getting booked it like really goes into all of that kind of stuff and it's written in a very friendly and approachable way there are burlesque schools in some major cities i didn't do that 
I probably should have. You turned out all right. It, it worked out. <laughs> but like it meant that I made every fucking mistake in mm. the book. Literally in the book. That's like, don't do that. I was like, <laughs> ugh. What, what's an example of a mistake that you made? Everything pertaining to costuming where they were like, we recommend that you don't just wear plain black. And if you're going to store buy anything, then you're going to want to alter it to make sure that it doesn't look like something somebody could find in a store. Right. I didn't do none of that shit for a long time. And I was like, why is nobody booking me? <laughs> like, I didn't cut my tags out of my costumes. Oh, my God. That's funny. You know? And it's stuff that, like, now I'm like, ugh. Or I would perform with, like, the wrong, like, the wrong shoes. And then I looked in the book and I was like, eh, it's all here. <laughs> Why didn't I read the book? Why didn't I take the class? And it also meant that I was I was trying to do it without like a contemporary. Like I had people who ended up becoming my mentors who I'm very grateful for. But I didn't have like the person that I would go see a show with mm -hmm. or like the person who would we would like gas each other up to like talk to a producer. I ended up doing a lot of that by myself and it felt really like isolating and that didn't need to be how it was. So community as always. As as most yeah 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 it's mostly uh, yeah and respecting respecting your elders that's so amazing is there anything else about burlesque that we haven't talked about that you want to add before we wrap up there is something that i'd like to add oh please i've been thinking about i, I think earlier i mentioned like oh here's the story the story is like people want me to talk about empowerment oh and yes 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 how the story that people want to hear from you is that burlesque helped you to learn to love your body and that burlesque is empowering for people who can't get cast in ingenue roles in high school musical theater right. and can you can you complicate that for us a little bit or talk to me about like why you're over that yes because it sounds nice right it's so convenient what a nice little story yeah yes um that's not what happened the burlesque stage is not my free therapy that other people pay to see. <laughs> I'm a professional entertainer. And this is a field where I'm able to do my work on a professional level. What helped me love my body was that I went to therapy mm. and I had financial resources. And I was able to see a nutritionist who didn't take insurance but wasn't going to be fat shaming. Mm -hmm. And I started reading a lot of books about advertising and body image and I started thinking about who profits off of my misery Oof. and how little respect I have for those people so why am I allowing their power to like change my relationship with myself that's huge yes and that happened in like middle school and high school so I had a big chunk of that done before I thought about being naked in front of strangers because it's not a loving, empowering place all the time. It is It is a public-facing place with strangers with their own feelings about bodies and fatness and nudity and sexuality and are projecting a lot onto you in good ways and bad ways. Yeah. It, it isn't a safe place all the time. And I've been in some really unsafe <laughs> performance spaces. And that's, and that's okay. That's like part of what I'm signing up for. And so, I yeah, I loved my body beforehand. And then when I got a lot of that shit out of the way – or like significantly transformed, I was able to to do naked performance in a way that I felt was responsible towards like the audience getting something out of my performance and not just me. It's very well said. Thanks. I love that. And I'm not body positive. I'm body negative. Nobody should have a body. We should all just be vapor <laughs> or birds or fucking sea glass. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not body positive I'm I'm a fat liberationist like that's straight up Hell like yeah. body positivity sells soap yes 
fuck that. Yes. Or like makes you feel bad that you're not sufficiently body positive and need to consume other things that will make you feel better about yourself and that you should feel bad about yourself if you don't if you're not making other people feel good about themselves it becomes another way to fail it's like it and if i don't if i'm not sufficiently body positive then i don't get to do xyz like it's it's another it's another false measure it's also like our relationships with our body are always changing our bodies are always changing Mm. so yeah it, it just becomes this other benchmark of like are you cool enough to be body positive by the way you know, subscribe to this fucking mailing list or whatever. Oh, man, if only if only we could be vapor, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's work on that. <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> well, fancy feast. It has been uh, until until we evaporate. <laughs> it's been nice sitting here with our bodies and using our mouths to talk about bodies and what they can do. <laughs> It's what a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's really it, the pleasure is um is all mine and uh wh- so if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Oh, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> at Fancy Feast Burlesque all one word. You can follow the fuck you review at fuck you review. Yeah, slide into my DMs. I am not a cat person, so I forget sometimes where what the joke of your name is and then I will go to Google you for whatever reason and it's you're hard to google <laughs> i know i fucked i fucked myself over right away but then again you know it's easy easy enough to just add the burlesque to it and then and then it goes right to you there we go yeah <laughs> uh, and if people are in new york fuck you review is there anything else coming up in 2020 that you want to let people know about yeah i regularly host at the slipper room and at bathtub gin and i tend to post uh information about upcoming shows on instagram i'm also going to be producing a uh show at coney island this summer my plan is to bring back my show mame that tune which is where performers strip to their least favorite song Ooh, that's rough yeah, yeah. oh it's going to be a rough one <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing idea i love it Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.